Welcome to Secrets from the Scene, a show for local musicians who want to improve their music, grow their audience, and learn about Minnesota's music scene. If you're interested in talking about all things music-related and meeting interesting people from our local community, you're in the right place. Welcome back to Secrets from the Scene. On today's episode, we have Nerdy, who I am so excited to talk with today. There's so much to learn from him, and I'm going to jump right into his bio because that says a lot. One of the fastest rising stars in Minnesota's music scene, Nerdy bursts on the stage in 2018 after winning 95.3 FM's Shut Up and Rap competition four times in a row, and has been making headlines ever since. Performing on stages alongside national acts like Ludacris, Migos, Logic, Tyler the Creator, and the Wu-Tang Clan, Nerdy is well on his way to becoming a household name. Voted Best New Minnesota Artist in 2019 from City Pages, rest in peace. Headlining the Best New Bands show in 2020, First Avenue. And being voted Best Live Concert in 2021, again by City Pages, and Best Minnesota Artist in 2022, Twin Cities Collective. Nerdy brings an explosion of energy every time he hits the stage. With nine full-length projects in his discography, each with their own flair, Nerdy is something special for any occasion. Boasting a fervent fan base across the U.S. and around the globe, many people are calling Nerdy the next big thing out of Minnesota. Besides being a hip-hop artist, Matt Allen, the man behind Nerdy, is also an activist, community organizer, and a mutual aid worker who responds to the needs he sees around him. The community is at the heart of everything he does, using his platform to fight for equality and raise funds for artists in our community. Please welcome Nerdy. Hello, my name is Nerdy. My friends just call me mad. My mother called me Matthew anytime that she was mad. I used to rock and roll, but now I just shut up and rap. The worst year of my life was still the best I ever had. That's word to 2020. I know this album's long. I've tried to wrap it up, but it could use another song. I've tried to make it honest. I've tried to make it cool. I'm trapped between the industry and what I want to do. Two minutes, 30 seconds, and not a moment more. Some lyrics that are catchy and so great to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. You know, this city loves you because oh. you've won pretty much every, like every big opportunity and award and everything you've done. You've done, you've got a show coming up with the Minnesota Orchestra. Yes, which I do. In and of itself is kind of an amazing accomplishment. That It's crazy. It's still blowing my mind for sure. You've done multiple huge sporting event things. Mm -hmm. I know like with the Wolves. Yeah. Um, Minnesota United yep. and the Wild, right? Yep, yep. I've been with the Wild. I've also been able to be around for the twin stuff as well. So we kind of been running around. The only thing, the only Minnesota teams I haven't worked with at this point are the Lynx and the Vikings. So I got, right. it's only a matter of time. Yeah. Hit them up. I'm trying to. <laughs> I want to play for the Lynx so bad. Like, it's great. Do you do like national anthem stuff? See, no, I just like doing halftime shows. Okay. Like, that's really fun to do or like special press events. We did the one for the the soc soccer that would have came through the All-Star game. Mm -hmm. When it was over here, we did the All-Star game as well, along with Khalid, which was really cool. That's very cool. Yeah, it was super fun. You've headlined First Avenue. Yeah. You know, so it, it's just so impressive, the whole resume, and in a short amount of time, really. It's wild to think that I've only been doing this five years. Like, or at least I've only been doing Nerdy for five years, which I think is something that people don't yeah, no. And, and that's a part of the story we should let's get into. Yeah. But 
the origins of nerdy, where it started, how it how it kind of took off. Yeah. So I was well, well, it started started way back in high school, hanging out with my brother and his friends after school, and they would rap. They were all into hip hop, mm. and I was a rock and roll kid. That was my vibe. That's what I wanted to do. But I wanted to hang out, and everyone was rapping. So at first, at first, I had I had this persona. Because I love T-Pain, as everyone should. Everyone should love <laughs> right. T-Pain. But I love T-Pain, so I had this auto-tune persona for a while. It was called Voice Box with two X's Ooh. because it was really cool. <laughs> and so I would, just, I would sing auto-tunely on stuff. But then like everyone was hip-hop, everyone's rapping. And so then I needed a rap persona, and everyone else had names. Everyone had like cool hip-hop names, and I didn't have one. I thought about my life. And throughout my life, I had so many people be like, you're a nerd. You're like, you like comic books. You like these weird things, like these cartoons. You're just like, a, like a, you're a little nerd kid. And so I turned it into a, from an insult into like sort of like my own identity. Yeah. And I came up with nerd D, like uh, kind of like heavy D, like nerd D. And it was originally an ER dash D. And so that was what I would like call myself when we were rapping with friends after school. Years pass years pass and go 95.3 was doing this just competition it's called shut up and rap and we talked it said yeah, in yeah. my bio it was called shut up and rap and it was just like a it was a, a competition you'd show up and, and and do one song in front of some judges and if you won you got to get some studio time and they gave you uh the free cds made of your stuff and it was like that okay and i was in a rock and roll band at the time but i wanted to draw attention to the band so i was like i'm gonna put myself in this competition as a joke like, I, it'll be a joke. Like, it's like, ha, 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 this rock and roll band is doing hip-hop. The person's doing hip-hop. It'll be fun. And I could talk to people about our band just because we weren't getting any traction. I showed up with Nerdy underneath the name Nerdy. I competed. And the very first time I competed, I did not win. I got to the semifinals of the night, and I lost uh, to an R&B artist by the name of Tyler Perry, who was really good. And But I fell in love with it. I fell in love with doing hip hop. I felt myself. I There's so much to do being a band that I think people don't know. And when you get to be your own person, when you get to do your own thing, you just have more creativity. So I said to myself, oh, no, I love this. And then from then on, it's just sort of been like a wild roller coaster. I, I came back and then I kept winning and I, I just, I get winning and winning and winning. Eventually they like told me I couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to come back, but they offered me a spot at Soundset. 2018 and from then on the rest was history was Soundset like what you won or would you just come as an opportunity out of winning it that? came as an opportunity i was i wasn't even supposed to be there shout out to augie 5000 a, a, a local music entity here uh, who really put a lot of passion into growing the scene he just called me out of the blue i'm working in my call center job he calls me out of the blue and he's like hey you've been winning like you can't win anymore do you want to go to Soundset? Do you want to perform at Soundset? And I think I just impressed him or and, and the team. I I would really it meant a lot to me to be in this competition. And I think they saw that. They saw like my hunger for this uh, and how much I came through it and really took it seriously. And so I think they just wanted to offer me a chance to succeed. So I I took it, even though I didn't have more than two songs made at the time. So I had been switching off the two songs that I would perform at this competition because I only got one song. So I only had two songs. 
But they asked me to do a 30-minute set at Soundset, so I had to quick write oh, dang. like 30 minutes worth of music in like two f- months' time. And um, Did you get a band together for Soundset? No. Okay. I, Sophia Aris actually DJed for me. Nice. Um, because I didn't have my own, again, I didn't have my own DJ. I didn't have any sort of like group. Yeah, I performed at Soundset to a couple thousand people. It was wild. I remember having people tell me, like, we were going to go see Wu-Tang Clan, but we stopped. <laughs> and we would decide to watch you instead. And I was just like, that's insane. Like, that's insane. And from there on out, it was, this was what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this with my life. This is the thing. But I had to change my name a little bit at that time, which is huge. And I think people, when you're getting into this business, marketing, branding, finding yourself yeah. is huge. Absolutely. And Augie 5000 pulled me aside after my set. I sound set. And he's like, hey, I was trying to show some people your music to show them who you yep. were and we kept running into pharrell's band and right e dot r dot d like n-e-r-d yeah because google doesn't know the difference between n-e-r dash d and n-e-r-d like it, it's basically the same thing and one has done a far lot more than the other one had. so he was like i couldn't find you and I, i'll never do that again like i'll never embarrass myself like in front of these big people sitting there scrolling, sitting there scrolling trying you. to look for you so you should probably change your name and i was like oh dang I gotten so close to this name. It had been like this thing for me. So I went through a whole bunch of different thought processes, like different names I could have called myself. But I really liked Nerdy. I really liked what it was and what it stood for for me. And so I just changed the E to a U, which phonetically sounds the same. Yeah. But nothing else comes up when you click when you when you type that in and you R dash G, it comes up as me. And then so I did it and the rest is history. Now Nerdy is like the thing. And it's early on in your career. It was yeah. an easier thing to switch. Exactly. I, suppose, I was like, be. I had only hit this is my first big show. If I hit it hard now and let everybody know, hey, you know, we're putting the U in Nerdy. Like, like I, that's how I marketed it. I was like, yeah. we're putting the U <laughs> in Nerdy because you were the reason uh, I got here. Yeah. You're the reason that I made it happen. And I really did switch the the vibe to creating more of a group, which helped create what Nerdy is today. That's why I'm, I always reference my fans and my team, because it's like, yo, that's what made it happen. It was a group of people believing in what I'm doing. It's like 75% of it. The talent's like 25. It's the getting the people to believe in that. Because there's so many talented people here in this state alone. There are so many incredibly talented people. Talent is not in short supply. Yeah, it's the belief in that talent that is something that's hard to cultivate. Yeah, and so putting the U in nerdy and focusing on the nerdy club and focusing on like how you th- how these people how we can make this happen really just shot me off like a rock. Oh, that's that's so good. There's a few things I want to kind of break down here before we move on and to join in on that on that point of getting the people in there. I think that that's where we're going to spend some time. Yeah. But before we get there, I want to just go over a couple things. One is you had mentioned, you know, starting to get a team together. Are mm-hmm. you still completely doing this on your own? Do you have a manager? What does that look like for yeah, you today? So I have, so the nerdy team or the nerdy camp is how I refer to it most of the time is still just, it's run by me, but we, I'm growing to with people that I work with. I'm not working with any sort of entity. I'm not working with any sort of like label or business. What I do is I find people, friends or professionals with the talents that I need, and we work together and build it from there. So I have a manager. She's amazing. She's the same person who organized my wedding. 
Like, and just a, like just a friend that I've known for a while that has an amazing talent for organizational skill, has an amazing talent for corporate conversations, like does events, like that's kind yeah. of the whole bit. And so then I was like, I need someone to help manage. They're like, okay, I can do that. They wanted to help. And so like, they were like, is these skills something that you could use? And I said, yeah. And then I have a music director who is just the person who plays saxophone in my band, Saxy Dave. Like, he's fantastic. He's a musical genius. And I was like, hey, I need someone to help craft these things with me. And I, I don't have a whole lot of technical skill. I know what I like. And I know the sounds I wanted to make. Can you get it to so that other performers can understand it better? Because yeah. I'm very much like, I want it to go like, skibbity ba da da ba da ba 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 And it'll be like, oh, this is what you be. Yeah, right. <laughs> and a translator. Translator <laughs> and it translates it to the rest of the team. And so it's just collecting people. It's very much like a D&D party. Like, of just, <laughs> I mean, oh, you're a spellcaster. Oh, you're a barbarian. Oh, you're, you're a rogue. We need a rogue. Like, it's, that's the vibe. So it's just building with people you find. Well, I think that, you know, it, it, it sounds so simple, but that's not an easy thing to do because it's for not. one, you have to have good people around you, Correct. which means that you probably need to be a good person and so be attracting a, those kind of people. That's a major component. So that's a big part of it. But then also, you know, working with friends and things like that is tricky. You have to yeah. be professional. You have to have boundaries up and expectations yeah. that everybody feels like comfortable in their role and compensated fairly and mm -hmm. all of those things. So it's, it's a complicated thing to do, but it is a good place to start if you feel like okay, this is going a little faster than I can keep up with. Yeah. Or if you just know that you inherently don't have certain skills that you need, mm -hmm. then trying to look around within your immediate community to find people that believe in you yeah. and want to commit to this. Now, that's hard to do to get people to really buy in. And it may 100. not. Well, actually, maybe this should be a, a question for you is Ooh. at what point do you know when to start asking? Because I also worry that people are going to go, I need a team. And they start asking for people when they really don't yet. Yeah. I just had a conversation with a young artist at one of these shows we were performing at. And they were like, like, do you have a manager? I said, yes, I do. He's like, well, how do you know when you need a manager? And I was like, you'll know that you need a manager when you can't physically keep up. Not just like when you don't want to answer the emails, not like when you don't want to put the work in to do X, Y, Z. You want to learn everything you possibly can about how to do the business. Yeah. Do it yourself. And when it starts getting so much, when the emails start becoming so much, when you start accidentally double booking yourself because you just have so much going on, you can't keep it all straight. That's when. Yeah. You know, it. and it might be because I'm glad you said that because yeah. what I really was trying to get to the point is, is don't do it so early where you're, you're avoiding things yes. because you don't want to do them. You need to learn how to do them. Know how to do everything because that's how you get, that's how people got Motowned. Real talk, like, <laughs> right, yeah. like, like that's how it happened. It was like, oh, $50 for all of my songs? That sounds great. Like, if you don't know the business at all, it's going to be so much easier for people to take advantage of you. Not to throw Taylor Swift in, like, she's doing totally fine for herself. Of course. You know, she's doing, girl's got, <laughs> girl's doing fine. But, like, the whole issue with not owning her masters, not having to re-release all of these songs, like, it's because when you're 16 and you just show up and someone's like, sign this and we'll give you you know, $500,000, that's more than you've ever seen. You don't know what this contract reads. You know, you're not doing that. That's so important. When it was time for me to decide whether I wanted to go to secondary education after high school, my first thought was like, no, I don't want to. After like being forced to, I decided that I wanted to go for music business, not music performance, even though that's an option. 
Not to say that anything wrong with music performance, but I thought to myself, I can learn to be a better performer by performing more. I'll just learn as I go. That is easier to cut my teeth on. But I don't want to learn by trial and error the business because that could be the difference of never working in this town again if I sign the wrong thing. Or, you know, if I misunderstand the contract or I don't understand how my music can be put up or where it can be. That's what I went for instead. Where did you go? I went to North Central, which wasn't particularly like a music-centered organization, mind you. And they definitely have a whole lot of stuff that I'm not about. But what I will say is that that time learning the business was priceless. I know a lot more now because of what I went to school to learn. And that was because I had to learn that I wanted it. I didn't just jump into college just because it was time to jump into college after high school. I took some time to think about, okay, well, what do I need to do to get to where I want to go? Yeah. So you'll know when it's time to get a manager to put a team together when it's become so crazy that you're starting to fumble things. And then also, what are you doing financially? Like, how much money is your stuff bringing in? I would say unless you are paying at least half of your bills with it, maybe wait to get a manager. And that's not saying, oh, like, it's all about money or whatever. But it's like a manager should be compensated for the work they do. If you aren't paying you, how much less are you going to pay somebody else? You know, so if you're not thinking about leaving your job, maybe wait. One sort of rule of thumb I have for those kind of things is you should be able to teach the job to whoever you hire. So if you don't know how to exactly how to do it and you haven't done it yourself enough, then you probably don't. Now, there's probably exceptions to this. There's exceptions and, to every rule. But but you should be able to confidently say, this is what I need. This is how you do it. This is how much I'm going to pay you for it. Then yeah. you're ready for it. If you're I, just looking for somebody to help you out because you don't want to do it. You don't want to do it yeah. or you don't want to learn. I say, you're hiring a manager, not a boss. So they're helping you manage what you should know how to do. They're just helping you manage it. Keep it all together so that it's easier for you to make the decisions that you want to make. You're not hiring a boss, someone to tell you what to do, where to go. That's not what you're doing. So like, think of what mentality you're going into it with, and then you'll know whether you're ready for for it or not. Yeah. And also whether that person's ready for it or not. Some people think, oh, manager means I'm in charge. No, (laughs) you don't need, no, that's not how it works. So you want to make sure you know. Yeah. Otherwise it could be a whole issue later on down the line, especially if you're working with friends which is so often how local acts start out. Yeah. Very few people that I know have gone straight to working with a company who does this. Mm -hmm. And the people that do, often you don't hear about them after a while. New is hard to sell to people. New is hard to sell. We live in a wild and crazy time, so people want to know something that works or something they already like. That's why half the movies are remakes. The franchise IPs are so expensive. It's because people flock to what they know. So if you're a new person rocking up to this company who does this, if they have somebody on their roster that already does what you do, there's more incentive to them for you not to do well and to keep you at a certain position while they can Hmm. build off of your fan base because Hmm. they have someone who kind of already does what you do. Hmm. So building your own spot first from the ground up is advantageous because then you can make yourself undeniable and then you're not so much of a threat and you're more of an opportunity. You have some leverage too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
All right, so 2018, you do Soundset. Yes. What happens next? Well, then I just start playing shows. I think I did anything and everything that came my way for a whole year. Just show after show after show. Two people, 200 people. Yes. Oh, hey, we're doing a fundraiser. Yes. Oh, hey, the school is opening. Yes. I just said yes to almost everything. Just show up and crushed it. And not been like a I'm so awesome kind of way, but literally just like my plan was every show that I went to, whether it was seven people or 700 people, I'm going to like play like it's the Super Bowl because I want people to be like, this person really loves this because I did. And so that's what I did for a year. And then I, I get a band together. I get my old band, parts of my old band. I put them like, hey, like I'm doing this thing now, jump on board. I yeah. think I finally got it. We start doing shows, big, elaborate, like I'm not making any money. I'm working at a call center and taking the money from that. I live in a one bedroom apartment with a roommate. I'm just spending all my money to put on these massive shows, pay my band. And I'm like, we're going to make sure that they leave this going. Like this was incredible. For yeah. 10 bucks, we saw something that was out of this world. I do that for a year, and I get called for my first dab to do Best New Bands in 2019, or 2020, technically. I also go on tour with Brother Ali for my first ever multi-stop state tour. Super cool. Which was very fun and very cool. I got to see a lot, learn a lot about the business, and just about what it's like to do shows around the country. Get the call for 2020, they say, hey, Best New Bands. I remember what they offered monetarily was like nothing. It was like... 200 bucks. And I remember just thinking to myself, this thing is sold out. There's 1,500 people that come in here. 200 bucks. Like, that's like, okay. But then I said, okay, I want a headline. And they're like, well, we're going to look at it. I said, no, 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 no. I have 13 people in my band. I want a headline. I guarantee you this is the move. And and this, I didn't know who else was booked on the show already. I just was just like, I need this. Let me do it. Let me prove that I deserve that spot at the very least. And they said, okay. And then we go in there and we just rip it. We're wearing like our Space Jam outfits <laughs> and we just go. And I didn't know how amazing the other bands were going to be that night. And so when we saw that, we we're like, oh no, we really need to be good because like we demanded this highlighting spot. Yeah. And these people are fantastic. Like May Simpson, May Simpson, if you ever heard yeah, of them, oh, yeah. it's crazy. So I remember we were just standing at the back like, what are we going to do? Like we really need to nail it. And we did. We went out on stage and we put on one of the best shows that I've ever done. And we got voted best live concert that year. It's 2020. There's this thing going on in the in the background of the world. I'm not paying any attention right. to. Yeah. I'm just like, because I'm like, oh, yes, my life. I remember quitting my job, walking out in November of, of 2019, quitting my job because now I'm, I'm making me, my whole 2020 is booked with shows. I won pick to click. Uh, for city pages so like i'm on my face is on all these magazines and i'm like i'm nowhere but up nowhere but up <laughs> 2019 everything in the future is shut <laughs> off to it. no world changing event right at all other than my rise to music stardom i quit my job a little bit after the first best new band show after everyone's like raving about how awesome because i was in january all of a sudden, you know, there's little chirps about like stuff mm -hmm. shutting down. And I'm just like, what's going on? I'm like, oh no. It was very American of me. I was like, that sucks for them, but we'll be fine because it's America. What a statement. It'll be fine because we live in America. Up until that point, to be fair, that yeah. was kind of the case. That was the vibe. Like, that was would, the vibe. You would hear of like this flu or this mm -hmm, thing, mm -hmm. but it was overseas and it never mattered to us. Yeah, yeah. We were just like, it was very, I said, it was very American yeah. of me. I was just like, no, 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 no. 
And then we get a call and everything gets shut down. Like the call we got was we were supposed to do the opening gig for Minnesota United. We were supposed to open the season. And we get a call and we're like, they're canceling the season. And I was like, if they're canceling soccer, if they're canceling football, when the NBA and the and the and the college March Madness got shut down, I was like, dang, that's serious. But when they told me they're canceling soccer, somehow it clicked because soccer fans are insane. Yeah, like they are insane. If they break their arm in the parking lot, they will wait until the match is over <laughs> to go to the hospital. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's serious. So if they're shutting that down, sure enough, in the course of two days, I lost every single show that I had booked for 2020. And I had gotten engaged. Like we were like my whole life was about to like change. I had budgeted my life based off all these shows were gonna be. And now I have no job, no income. What'd you coming do? In. I remember I'm sitting on the couch just looking at the phone. My my fiance is at work. She doesn't know that all this has just happened. And I'm like, well, I had quit my job. I am a college dropout with no discernible skills. What am I going to do? But what I thought at that moment, right after that, what am I going to do? My thought process was, I am 2019's best new artist in Minnesota. I am 2020 headlining best new bands. I have gotten all these accolades in the last two years. And if I'm feeling this, I know my other, my music community is feeling this too. I have all the, the forward momentum. I maybe be able to ride this out but other people might might not. And so that's when we decided to make the Minnesota Artist Relief. I, I called up my DJ, DJ Hayes, and I said, we need to figure out how to do concerts over Zoom. And he said, what? I was like, we need to figure out how to do concerts over Zoom. If I can share my computer audio with someone in Zoom, if we make the music come out of my computer, we should be able to get a clear enough sound to them, which means we can put on a concert. I don't know how to do that. But we, if we figure that out, we should do it. And then he figured it out. We plugged random stuff into like various computers and things. And we started doing concerts over Zoom. We were one of the first like local artists to really start doing that mm. on a big scale. We performed for the Kennedy Center. We performed for KDWB, which is unheard of yeah. for a local artist to get on iHeartRadio programming. We did that. We also performed for the Paisley Park. We were the only live streamed concert from Paisley Park in 2020. We were the first, like during the, we were the first and only during the lockdown. We performed multiple concerts and each of those concerts, we raised money for local artists because during that time, there was like an artist relief fund sure. that was existed, but it was like you had to fill out all these forms and it was like this whole like bureaucracy sort of thing. And it really seemed like only certain people were going to get it. So we were just like, send money to this Venmo account. And if you're an artist and you need money for your gas, your food, your water, your phone, your car, just say, hi, I'm so-and-so. I'm an artist here in Minnesota, and we will just send you the money you need. That's it. The end. We won't ask you any questions. You can lie. You can lie, and we'll just give it to you because like, it's not our job to police why you need the money. It's our job to help our community in time of need. So that's what we did. And we did that all 2020 alongside the uprising that happened at the same time yep. after George Floyd was murdered, hitting up on the streets, working with the movement, and everything sort of built in tandem. Nerdy was caught in the middle of all of that all at the same time. Trying to be an artist while the world is essentially burning to the ground is a wild experience that I feel 
is going to be talked about in much later detail. That's going to be our renaissance, I think, hmm. when people talk about where they were. And so we just did that for the all 2020, all 2021, and it's just sort of been the game since. I, I say, like, we're like pirates. We're like the straw hat pirate. We run around, <laughs> we do these shows, we piss off people in power, and somehow people still like us, <laughs> and people still invite us to do things. We just keep growing, and it's really fun, but it's a lot of work. I mean, I have theories on, on why that is, but <laughs> I have one more question before we kind of get into that, which is, I do think it's helpful for people to kind of hear about your transition from the band pre nerdy mm -hmm. into being nerdy yeah because you were the front man in the band too right mm -hmm. and obviously the front man here talk to me about that transition about Ooh. the decision how you manage it with the band members and all of that kind of thing so before nerdy way back in the olden times back in the very very early aughts i was in a band we were called three-man trio originally and then we switched our name to saving vinyl city which i still think is a really dope name by the way <laughs> saving vinyl city and we perf we did Tim City for about seven years, which is, again, which I tell people, like, I've only been doing Nerdy for five, but I've been doing music for quite some time. It just, at the time, we were a multicultural band with a fat black front man. This is pre-CeeLo Green's Forget You, so that wasn't a thing. It just wasn't a thing. It just was not something that was going to happen. I don't think we could have been talented enough. I just don't think it was going to happen. Not out of Minnesota. Like, it just wasn't. So we were fighting uphill to a door that was locked, essentially. But we worked at it for a really long time. But after a certain point, I realized that I was working out for it more and harder than the rest of the people of the band. And they'll tell you this because most of them are in my band now. Yeah. I remember sitting down with everybody and I said, hey, I feel like I'm kind of like pushing this along by myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you guys are getting close to ending college. You know what I mean? Like, and starting your careers, living your lives. I'm going to not do anything for a month. If we don't get booked, if we don't, if I don't see like significant social media posts, if nothing changes, then I think we should call it because what we had been doing this whole time is we've been working as a team. I was the front man, but I really, it was very much like a, we vote, we do things together. Like we turned down a massive opportunity to play at First Avenue Main Room years before I ended up doing it as your nerdy because one of our members was in a play. And we didn't, we don't perform unless we all perform. You know what I mean? Like, oh, could we have gotten a, like a sub guitar player? Yeah. But like, we all said that we're the band. And so if we don't get all of us, you don't get any of us. Which looking back on it now, was like a crazy decision. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I would agree. <laughs> it was wild. It was a wild decision. So you take this month off. We took this month off and nothing happened. I come back and I'm like, okay, hey. And they're like, yeah, we kind of figured because we didn't yeah, do anything. Right. And, and then so we... Ended the band amicably, which is, I think is a ver is a rarity. Yep. Sometimes when a band falls apart, especially one that's been going on for like seven years, we had changed our name to Black Genesis at that point, not because we were a metal band, but because we were like Genesis. But if Phil Collins was black, <laughs> <laughs> so we we called it quits amicably, and I had just done Shut Up and Rap in that month where I wasn't doing it. Okay. And okay. so now I come back and I'm like, I really like this other thing. We didn't do anything for this band, so I think I'm a transition. And I remember the members of my band, a few of them were like, yo, this nerdy thing that you just did, this thing that you do, like that we've seen you do, this is cool. This is something really great. You should run with that. Like, run with that, because there's something special there. And so I did. 
And then once it got to the point where I needed a band, I circled back and I said, hey, nerdy, I want to play some shows, but I want to have a live band. I already know you guys. Mm-hmm. Would you be willing to play for me? It'd be di- it's different. We're not playing with each other. You'd be playing for me. So it's a different dynamic. But I'd like you to play. And they were like, yeah. And I honestly, and I say this to people who are in a position where maybe you're in a band and you don't feel whatever. I realized once that happened that I had been hiding behind the band. I was the front man, but only in name only. I didn't I didn't want to outshine anybody. I didn't want to be like that person that was like the person who's in charge. You know, every movie, yeah. every like movie that's like, oh, you, who are you? You think you're so good. And da, da, da. So I really hid behind this idea that we had to do everything together and I couldn't step up yep. and be fantastic because I didn't want to overshadow anybody. Once you get that mentality out of your head, to know that somebody has to be spectacular. It has to be that way in order for this, because this job, talent is in not in short supply. So it's the building of this and that mythos is a big part of it. When I took on the thing, like, I'm going to make the decisions and I'll tell you what to do. A lot of my band members liked it more because at the end of the day, like we want to be musicians. We don't want to run a business. I want to play guitar the best ever. I don't want to decide what states we do or what's the route of the tour or what van we buy or da da da, da. Like, I don't want to make those decisions. I want to shred. And that's what you've asked me to do. Yeah. And so I'll do that enthusiastically. Yeah. As opposed to sort of like, I've been so bogged down from making everyday band business decisions that when I get to a show, I'm not even having fun. Yeah. I'm so glad you're sharing this because it's a conversation that comes up a lot. Yeah. And a conversation that I have with a lot of clients, bands, bands that have clearly a band leader. Listen, the number one thing that's going to stop your band is that your band's going to break up. Most bands do. Very few actually stay together forever. They stay together as long as they can, and then it's over. And a big part of the reason why bands break up is because there's not clear conversation. There's not clearly defined roles of Mm -hmm. who's going to do what. I think a common mistake that's made is that people default to being a democracy. Mm. Now you think, well, that should be great, right? Well, for some bands, it might be. But you have to consider if everyone is invested equally. And most of the time, the answer is no. Mm -mm. I see time and time again where there's one person that's clearly the band leader, and it might be because they're the most passionate about it. They're working the hardest. They're booking the shows. They're setting up studio time and so on. Maybe it's because they're the songwriter. It could be a number of things, but you can see that this person's running things and everyone Mm. else is kind of along for the ride. I'm not saying that in a bad way. Like you said, certain bandmates might go, I've got other things in my life. I've got kids. I've got a different job. Mm. I don't want to do this full time, but I do love playing music. And if you can give me a position in your band to just do this, that's actually what I'm looking for. We had another episode with Christian Gray, villain of the story, local band. And they did just this thing where they all decided like who has what roles and they're not necessarily equal. And so the pay is not equal. It doesn't have to be. And since they did that, they've been far more successful with Mm -hmm. just running the actual business. Yeah. And I can't say that enough that if you feel like it's clearly kind of an unequal situation in your band, it might be worthwhile to have a conversation about all right, well, if somebody is going to be doing all the work, you could divvy up pay differently. You can divvy up voting rights differently. Not, mm-hmm. not everybody has to have the same one-to-one vote. Yeah. Think of it like a sled dog team. What I talk about all the time, you watch Balto. Somebody needs to be in front. Someone needs to be the one who just makes the decision if we go right or left. It's not saying that they're better than you. It's not saying that you're somehow less than them. 
It's just that that responsibility needs to be held by somebody. Because if it's always a group thing, always, every time, eventually you're going to run into things that you can't surmount. Or you're going to take too long to surmount and you're going to miss an opportunity. It's just how the business is. You need to know what kind of group you have. Yes. And, and have an honest conversation about your desires and what you want and be willing to be vulnerable. You're going to be making music with these people, presumably, forever. We almost called ourselves Save the Cheerleader. That was almost our band name because we loved Heroes. <laughs> Season one of Heroes. We loved it so much because Save the Cheerleader, Save the World was like the, like the tagline. Okay. We were almost Save the Cheerleader, but we said to ourselves, we want to play music until we're like 50, until we're 60. That's as old as we could think of at the time. I don't want to be a 50-year-old called Save the Cheerleader. We were thinking this is something we want to do forever, so let's make decisions that way. And you should be thinking about that way all the time if you're making a band. Yeah. So figure out, are we the type of group that might need someone to be in charge? And I could just focus on being really good at this thing. Yeah. Sometimes there are successful bands that do have everybody's an equal member. Everybody shares writing credits. That does exist. And that yeah. can work. It, it's a thing. If that seems like everybody feels comfortable in that role because everyone is equally invested and in, in doing their part, then sure, stick with that. But if you do find that, no, this is kind of one person's, this is one person's dream, mm -hmm. then it doesn't give you the right then to be a like dictator. No, don't be a dick like, about it. Yeah. You still have to then, just because you might be in charge doesn't mean you shouldn't take everyone else's opinions good leader very, does. very seriously. Mm -hmm. You could still treat it as if everyone has a vote, but sometimes, again, it just comes down to, well, if somebody's in this for the long haul and somebody's not, if it's that unfair, mm -hmm. the band's going to break up. Yeah. And this is what we did when we made our amical split, internally ask yourself, if this band goes under, who loses what? Like, ask yourself that question. Hmm. If this band goes under, who loses what? If so-and-so is playing in three other bands, all of them doing the same amount of levels of success, and this one goes under, will they just be in three other bands and like nothing really changes other than they have an extra Wednesday or Thursday or Saturday to do another show? Okay, well then maybe they aren't the person who should decide whether or not you take the big gig or not, because they don't need it. You know what I mean? What if this person works a full nine to five at the career of their dreams and they just do this on, on the weekends to, because it's fun? Right. If the band breaks up, that's the bummer. But like, all right, like I live my life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So ask yourself, if this ends, if you're sitting here going like, if this, does, I don't know what I'll do. Like if you're the one sitting around going like, if this breaks up, I don't know what I'll do. I don't know what else to do. You know, I'm working, I'm working DoorDash and eight other little tiny jobs so I can keep doing this full time. Maybe you're the person. Maybe yeah. this is your thing. Yeah. And it'll be okay. I always say if everybody's eating, they won't look at everybody else's plate. Ask yourself if your friend who's really passionate about this job made $5 million and you made two, are you upset? And if your answer is yes, check yourself. Because why? You made $2 million. Sure. Doing something that you love. Like, and all you had to do was just be on board from with someone that you trust and apparently like being around decision-making. That's weird that you'd be upset about that. So, like, it's something that you have to really, it takes a lot of vulnerability. Takes a lot of trust in your friends. These people you're building a job with or building, a, like, a dream with. And really yeah. coming with some, like, honesty. Yeah. All right. So I want to pivot the conversation over to what I think is one of your superpowers in the mm -hmm. sense that I've followed you online for a while. And I think that you're just extremely good at being you, being authentic, essentially. Thank you. And 
I don't want to undervalue in this conversation the fact that your music is also very, very good. And that's, and that's why, you know, things are doing well. I also don't want to ignore the fact that because you're so good at sort of being authentic online, that that's a huge part yeah. of the success and what's attracting opportunities to you over these last five years. Has that been a natural thing for you or is it something that you conscientiously work at? It wasn't when I started doing music. I remember when I started doing music, I was very by the numbers. Like it was very much like I listened to a lot of people who was like, this is what the industry, this is what you should do. These are what cool people do. Da, da, da. And that there's a version of that that works for people, I think. The farther away you are from the like American Western ideal, the harder it might be to follow those same rules, I, I think. Just because the, the, the system isn't designed for you to succeed. But this is so weird that you're asking because I've had some time to think about it. I remember watching the Soldier Boy documentary. The Soldier Boy documentary. Didn't realize there was a documentary. There's a documentary. <laughs> okay. There's a documentary. It was just about how he posted on MySpace every day. Okay. And like talked to his fans every day and was just Soldier Boy for whatever it was worth. He was just like, this is how I do it, right? Yeah. Every day. And it, he did that so much. By the time he dropped the dance, the one that yeah, everybody yeah. knows, he had so many followers and so many fans that even though the song was just, is just nonsense, you know <laughs> what I mean? And a little dance to do that they did sure. in high school gymnasiums. Yep. They did it in every high school gymnasium across the country. At the time of the documentary, Soldier Boy had more number one hits than Jay-Z. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's insane. But because what he did, he was like, I'm going to be myself. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to be who I am. And if you're into it, then you'll be in for the ride. And I took that and my love of professional wrestling, which again is, I'm a character. This is what my character is about. This is what I do. And you can be a fan or not. There's a bunch of other guys who do different things, but we're all kind of wrestlers. So you pick your favorite. But if you're my favorite, you're a part of DX or you're a part of the Nation of Domination or you're in the New Day. You're the New Day rocks. The Bullet Club, which, which is what I took and transformed into the Nerdy Club. Like You're a part of this group. It doesn't matter. And you're weird and you're like us. So here's a T-shirt that says that you're like us. And then you wear it out and someone says, that's a cool t-shirt. You're like, oh, you want to be a part of this t-shirt? We listen to this person and here's your shirt. You take all of that energy and you put it together and you can, that's the nerdy club. And I mean this, and I mean this so much. Professional wrestling is one of the, was the most amazing art forms in the history of art form. That's just me personally. <laughs> if you can sell fake scripted fighting to stadiums of people across the world, 365 days of the year. You can sell anything. You could do it. It's about creating that feeling of belonging and teamwork and camaraderie. And that's what I set out to do because my music isn't for everybody. No, 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 no. It's not for everybody. But what I did was like, I'm going to find my people. I'm going to show them that I'm like them and they're like me. And then I'm going to say, like, if you're into this, listen to this song and I'm going to make this song the best po I possibly can. And then we'll push this forward together. I love that. And I want to, I want to zoom into a few of those points because mm. particularly the last one you saying, you know, my music's not for everybody. Yeah. Just being bold about that. There are so many artists that are scared, scared of that. No. And I think that that's really one of the things holding people back is that unless you're making something specific enough that it excludes people, 
mm-hmm. it's probably not attracting anyone. You need to be that specific. And I think that some people will look at this and go, well, I'm not that interesting of a, I just, I like nature and, and walks down the street. Like yeah, nothing's, yeah. there's nothing exciting. I don't like professional wrestling or whatever, yeah. but that's not really the point. No. Sure. Those were things in your personality that you took and heightened. Mm-hmm. And at least from an outside perspective, it seems that your brand is still very much your personality, but just dialed up. Yeah. No, it's, right? it's, it's Matt to 11. Oh. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the most common ways to start building a brand is just yeah. around whoever the front person or that artist's personality is and just picking the things that feel the most compelling that they want to lean mm-hmm. into for whatever yeah. reasons. But it doesn't always have to be based on personality. You can build a completely different persona or use yeah. some other theme or something like that. You don't have to be on a huge extrovert. Because trust no. me, if you decide, well, my persona is kind of to be shy and these sort of things, but if you find a way to communicate that in your voice, mm. you will find an audience that loves it for that reason. There's 8 billion people on the planet, right? Even if 1% of them feels the way that you do, that's a fan base that will let you eat for the rest of your life and your children's children eat for the rest of their life. So don't worry about there's not enough people who like what I like or act how I act. That's a given. You will always have more people who aren't like you than people who are just because you're an individual. We are lucky to live in a world, to live in a time period where we're talking about the world. When I put a song on Spotify, if you live in Madagascar, you can hear it. Like As long as you have access to the music I put out, the various ways of listening to music, you can find a fan base. Yeah. There is nothing holding you back. So don't pigeonhole yourself or don't not share yourself because you think that there's not enough people like you. There are. There 100% are. Yeah. I just think that people are scared, essentially, for lack of any better way of putting it. They're just scared of trying to be that open and authentic. It's vulnerability. It's hard. But people are very much drawn to it. And there's trust that's developed over time. Now, my question for you, though, is did that specifically come natural like did it start there because i've followed you for the last year maybe but Mm -hmm. what was it like before that like i said i had done saving vinyl city and black genesis for so long i had remember i said to myself i'm gonna do this the way i want to this nerdy thing and if it doesn't work and people aren't into it i just won't do it but unlike trying to do it the industry way which is like just to be cool to chase the trends and to follow the things that are like, you know, like, I don't want to do that. I want to do me. I want to be weird. I'm going to like the things I like. I'm going to talk about the things I like to talk about and just be 100% myself. And if it doesn't work, then I'll find something else to do. So starting Nerd D, it was from the beginning. Okay. So right away, you just said, I'm going to go all in on this. Mm-hmm. And then you got so much good feedback right away. Things yeah, are working. And, and so it's looking back on it, I was like, of course, because there's a lot of people who like that stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of people who think the way you do about these things. There's a lot of people in similar situations. I heard Coloring Book by Chance the Rapper for the first time, and I said, this sounds like me. This sounds like how I was raised. This sounds like where I'm at, like emotionally, spiritually, how I want to talk about things. Like, this sounds like me. There's rap for people like me. And I thought to myself, if he can make that and we've never met and I love it, then if I make something about what I'm about, then I guarantee somebody's going to know it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I just did. And I just I was like, I'm going to vibe this way. And it worked out. But from the start of Nerdy, I, I grit my teeth and said, I'm not going to hide me. I can't. 
because I don't want to become famous being someone I'm not because that's how people lose themselves or quit because or it's quit. just not sustainable. Now you're just now you're just playing a part. And unless you're like freaking David Bowie and your whole bit is to keep making up different versions of yes, yourself. That's the whole thing. Which yep. is a thing. Yep. Which is a fine way to go. You're McFoleying it. I'm cool with it. Like there's nothing wrong with that. But then you have to go in the mentality of like this character likes this and this character like this and know that people might prefer Slim White Duke over Ziggy Stardust. Like they might, you know what I mean? And and you just might have to live with that. Cool. You know what I mean? Cool. Yeah. That's fine. That's the vibe. But like you have to decide what you're gonna do. Either you're going to put on a persona, and that's a persona that you enjoy putting on, yeah. or you have to be willing to let the universe know who you are and what you're about, and then people will like you for you. Yeah. It doesn't have to be outrageous. It doesn't no. have to be, you know, super funny or, you know, you see that and you go, well, I, that's not me. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. As long as whatever you do is consistent and things mm -hmm. can change. How would you say your brand has developed over the years? I will say that 2020 really changed things up. Yes. I think. Yes. I made my first big decision on being authentic in 2020, really. Because 2018, I come out, black nerd, love yourself, body positivity. Those were the pillars, right? Which is great. People were loving it, like loving it. I got all the accolades, you know what yeah. I mean? You know, do all the stuff. 2020 comes around and I'm out there on the street fighting for, you know, justice and freedom and all this stuff with these people in the movement who've been doing this for decades. And I'm really becoming entrenched with the systematic oppression of a people, my people. And why I've, oh, I mean, I've always been black, but I've, I've always, this has always been who I was. It just wasn't a part of my music. Not because I was hiding it or anything. Yeah. It just wasn't what I was writing about. You know what I mean? Because that's just wasn't what I was doing. But in 2020, here I am every night, every day, I'm doing this stuff and it's, that's what I want to write about. That's what I want to sing about. And I remember talking to my, my DJ, talking to my friends and my family and like some of the people I trust doing music. And I was like, I want to talk about this stuff in my music. There was a first aid station outside of the Kmart in uh, Minneapolis and I had got shot with a non-lethal round while we were trying to get injured people out of there. And at the time, I didn't know it was non-lethal. I just, I just remember just feeling getting hit in the hip really hard. And I was like, oh, well, I'm dead. Like, all right, cool. That's how, I, that's how your life ends. In that moment, I was like, have I said everything? Have I said everything that I'm about? Am I going to get Martin Luther King? Will people use my stuff to sell their propaganda later on? Like, was I specific? And I realized the answer was no, I wasn't. You know what I mean? Not that I was hiding anything. I was doing it, but I, I wasn't specific. And so I came out and I said, all right, I'm going to make these music. I have two albums, 38th and Chicago Avenue. And I, I'm like, I'm going to write about this. And even as I was doing this, like, I know I am going to lose fans because everybody wants to love themselves. Everybody loves body positivity. Very few people enjoy dismantling systematic oppression. It's its own thing. You know, but I knew that it wouldn't be right. I wouldn't be me if I didn't talk about it. And so I said, well, here we go. I put out the two albums and I lost fans. I did. I had people message me and say really mean things. Like, we used to listen to you. I used to love you. Da, 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 da. Not anymore. You're X, Y, Z. But I gained so many more. And the reason was is because what I didn't know 
was that there are a bunch of people out there like we like you, but like there's things that we care about that are more important. And so we just don't really vibe with you because you don't really seem to stand for that stuff. And so when I was like, I do, they were like, oh, cool. We do too. And so, yeah, while I lost a sect of group, they were a group of people that I wouldn't really want to hang out with anyway. Yeah. Because I was myself, my fan base grew because I was growing. Yeah. That's so important. But I think the bottom line is it just has to be you, no matter what it is. If you end up incorporating larger causes into your messaging, into your brand, fine. There's a lot of advantages, but there mm -hmm. are some disadvantages. There's always disadvantages. And I mean it, and I meant it is because I was doing it. So I say that to specifically say, don't take up a cause because you think it's going to get you followers. Yeah, that would be a terrible, because terrible that's move. Because that's a bad idea because once you say that you're about that life, whatever that life happens to be, once you say you're about that life, you're a person that they can come to. If they don't see the proof of that in what you actually are about, it will be a negative thing. Absolutely. People can smell bullshit. Yeah. They will know and, if it's and inauthentic. They will. So it's just like, just be, be real. If you're not about a thing, if you're not ready to jump into a particular cause or activity, then don't. Like, obviously, educate yeah. yourself on things that are important. Don't pick something going, I think I can gain more fans if I take this stance. Yes. That's a terrible idea. That's the worst idea. As long as you believe it and you're living that life, good. And if your life changes and you learn and you take a different stance than you took before, your fans will move with you because you've been open and honest the whole time. If you say, hey, I said X, Y, Z before, but yo, I actually just learned more about the situation and actually now I'm saying A, B, C. People will be able to track the progression. People can tell when someone's switching up because it's convenient. Yeah. So like, as long as you're just like, this is my journey, I'm on it, I'm rocking the whole time. Yeah. It's real and, and people will be able to see that and your brand will be better because of it, because it's you, mm. because it's who you are and you're never having to start putting on a mask every time you go outside. Yeah. The benefit of being more than just your personality mm. by having more in your brand, in your case, activism and being a community organizer and helping other people is that your overall brand becomes something that people can talk about way easier. Mm. And the dirty secret is, is that when it comes to like publicity, getting write-ups and that kind of thing, yeah. the journalists, the writers, they're often just grabbing what you wrote and rephrasing it. Yes. So the better that your story is, the more enticing your story is, the yes. easier it is that their job becomes. You know, the stronger your brand is right from the get-go where they don't even have to do anything. Yeah. The more likely you're going to get featured. And if you do a Google on Nerdy, you <laughs> will see an endless amount of press just from a business standpoint, because you've earned and, you know, deserve all of that. But from a business standpoint, it's just, it's brilliant. Like you can just look at it and you can go, yeah, I get how this bio is this writer mm -hmm. and they just took this and they, this makes for a better positioning for their company. Mm -hmm. Like all of it makes sense. And it's kudos to you because your brand is strong. It's a full picture. It's not just like a front that's like, okay, mm. here's what this is going to be. It's so authentic. You're living the part. You back it up every day on social media in terms of showing up and being there. Again, it seems so simple because you're like, yeah, I'm just being me. I'm doing the things that I care about. But for whatever reason, it's just, it is very hard, I think, for people to totally get the, the all encompassing picture of it. 
Mm. And they'll just maybe narrow in on one thing or be too scared to sort of show every piece of their personality. Yeah, it's okay to have parts of yourself that are private. And that's not saying that you have to open up yourself to display like you're like a zoo animal. What I'm saying is that be authentic to yourself. Live out. Because this is the job. One of the things that I, and, and not everybody subscribes to this and, and, mm. and they don't need to. It's one of the beautiful things about this industry. There's been a lot of ways to do it. I live this industry out as this is a privilege. This job that I have is a privilege. I make an absorbent amount of money compared to some other people who work in different professions that I would say do more for the tangible good of my community. There are EMS workers. There are nurses that work 20-hour shifts, right? Cleaning bedpans and, and, and scraping bed sores. Like real serious stuff. And they will spend $20, $25, $35 to come see me for a half an hour, perform music that I wrote in my underwear. You know what I mean? This is a gift. It is a privilege. And therefore, I am going to work to make sure that the brand that you're consuming is one that you can feel good about. That means I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm not going to share this if I believe in it. I'm not going to do this. Da, da, da. It's not about being strategic because by paying for a ticket, you've earned this. Like honesty from me because this is what I do. This is what I do to be able to give back. So I'm going to be as honest and open as I can. And I really think that other artists should live that way as well. Be as honest and open as you can be. Show yourself. Don't worry about if everyone's going to love it. Just be like, hey, if you're into nature walks, here are the trails that I enjoy. It doesn't have to be that complex. It's just that. It's just that. If you like maple leaves, so do I. I wrote a song called Maple Leaves. Here's a picture of my favorite one I took when I was seven. People love that. Why? Because now you're there a part of it. You're letting them be a part of That's why it's a club. The Little Monsters, the Beliebers, the Directioners, <laughs> like that, all the, the Swifties, what they have in common is they are part of a team. They feel like they're a part of a community. And it's, yes. it's because people are looking for emotional connection. And there's a lot of different emotions, mm -hmm. right? And so if the emotion is based around things like body positivity, for instance, then that can bring a community together. But your emotion could be on admiration for, yeah, maple leaves or whatever yeah. you're saying. It can be anything. There can be emotions for any type of person. So you pick what you think you can keep up with that mm -hmm. feels like this does renew me. This is something I want to do every day. As long as yeah. you pick, that's what we mean by being authentic. And then if you can convey an emotion with your brand, people will see you as a leader. If you're not conveying any sort of emotion, then they won't. They'll just mm -hmm. find somebody else that sounds pretty much like you and is as talented as you, yeah. and follow them that are creating some sort of an emotion. And I mean this in the best way. If you're just going to give people what you think they want, you're too late. There are businesses with billions of dollars cranking out top 40 so-and-sos to do that. You coming in from the whatever local place that you're at will not do that. You will not beat that if that's what your goal is. You won't. You just won't. There's for every story of the band that gets the call up and makes it, there are a million oh, yeah. bands that didn't. <laughs> Statistically speaking, if you're just going to be the next flavor of the week, it's too late. So might as well be yourself because they can't recreate that. They can't recreate that. They can recreate some bubblegum top 40. That's easy. There's math behind it. 
they do it all the time, but they can't make you. Yeah. Which is why they eventually end up paying for you, which is why people blow up. Yeah. Ever since TikTok, even t look at all the artists we have now that are famous now. Half of them started off SoundCloud, little things they're uploading themselves, YouTube, Lil Nas X. YouTube video of him playing Red Dead Redemption 2 with his music in the background for Old Town Road. He wasn't even in the music video. Like the first official thing was just Red Dead Redemption 2. So you can just be you. Like that's the best way now. That's the only thing that's left. It's the only commodity that can't be mass produced anymore. Yeah. Is you. Absolutely. And you just have to find it. Now, finding it is not easy for everyone. Some people might just immediately go, okay, I know exactly what that means. And some people might, may not. I do have a free branding guide that I use for my clients that's basically just yeah. a series of questions. And you probably won't even be able to answer all of them the first time you go through oh, that's it. That's okay. The point is, is you just, you answer what you can and you keep going through it every month or every year, however often you can. And it will help you narrow down. It will give you some boundaries. Do you have certain like classifications for how you think of your brand? Um, when I, way back in the day, I was to uh, DJ Bonix, who was Wiz Khalifa's DJ. And he said, when we started, threw like five words up on the board that was going to be our brand. And then we wielded it down until we only had one word. And their word was. And so then they built the brand around that. And look at it. It worked. It worked great. Can you listen to this song while you're smoking? Yes. Can you wear this outfit while one smokes? Yes. Can you do this or do this post? Does this cater to this lifestyle? Yeah. Then as long as it fits in there, then I did that same exercise. I didn't will it to one. I will it down to three mm -hmm. because I just, I just, these three were black. If it falls into those three categories. Yeah. I, I love that. Cause then you can, you can start thinking like, does this show fit my brand? Does this post fit my brand? Does this merch fit my yeah, brand? Venue mm -hmm. fit this do does it? With case in point, I've turned down shows. I've turned down collaborations. Not that they weren't amazing opportunities, but they don't fit what I'm and that's okay. I remember this is really it's a little bit more of like a moral stance, but still, there was this booking that at the time was the most I'd ever been booked for. Like 15,000, crazy at the time. And the person that was not treating the community with care was talking really wild. People were upset about it. And I had a fan hit me up and they said, hey, we saw that you were playing the show. I just want to let you know what this person had said and done. You, I'm not going to be mad if you do. I just wanted to let you know. That. And I remember I got, it was just the one uh, message. And then I got another one from a different person and same situation. There were tears, they were crying, and they were like, we don't hate you, we don't. We love you, we support you, we just want to let you know that this is how. So after I got messages, multiple messages from my fan base, I said to myself, $15,000 is a lot of money. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of money to do performance. I've only been performing for four years. Like, some people have never seen that money. They've been working mm -hmm. for, even if it was just, I gotta, let me times that one fan by the, the thousands that haven't said mm -hmm. anything. Is this going to serve me ultimately? If my goal is to perform forever, will this show do that? Or will I lose fans? Will they be able to be like, maybe he doesn't vibe with some of the things he said. So I, I said, no, I, I said, I can't. I left the show. I said, I can't do it. I remember crying on the bathroom floor because I told my fiance at the time, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how we're going to pay for anything. That was going to be the money. It just isn't nerdy.
It just isn't nerdy, and I won't do it. And then literally a week later, I got hit up for like, hey, we just had someone cancel, and it's the sculpture gardens thing. It's like weird and artsy and like super like affirming, and we'll pay you fifteen thousand dollars. I was like, I knew it. Like, I knew it. It's coming. It's that karma. It's that life. It's that whatever you want to say it is. Like, you want to do what makes you love you it. because you'll love I do. it. I love it. And I keep bringing this up because I just, there's two sides to this. One is that. It's the universe. Mm. It's the self-fulfilling part of it. There's just the sustainability of all of it. And yeah. then there's the other thing. You can take all the emotion out of it and just go, it's also going to just be good business. Like every, yeah, everything's going to work out better for you in terms of your PR, in terms of your stories, in mm. terms of your opportunities. You might as well just yeah. stick with it. If you've decided that this is how you're going to do it, then just stick with it because who knows? At least no one will ever tell, will ever be able to say that you're not yeah. real. And because then you can change your mind. Yeah. That's the beautiful thing about being yourself all the time. If your mind is changed, you just let people know that you can move the Absolutely. other way. Because then they'll be like, well, they're, they've never lied to us before. So I, I didn't finish this brand guide. It's got questions. It helps yes. people out. I will put the link in the show notes, but it's healthyproductions.com slash craft your brand. That's dope. And it's free. So it's just a series of questions. It will help you start to figure it out if you're like, I don't even know where to start. It's just these are good prompts to help you get on your way. Anything that gets your mind moving in that direction. The only other thing good. we should cover about branding, yes, hit me. because we've we've gone through sort of the philosophy and like how to show yourself online and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I also know you have a strong brand on stage. Yes. The visuals. Yes. <laughs> Talk uh, people through like why. Okay. So ever since whoever that person was figured out that you could copy discs by like putting a Sharpie around it and you could get away with copying discs. Just selling music was no longer going to be what sustained you. We live in a world where that's no longer sustainable. It just is. Yeah. You get a cent of a cent of a cent for even the best song. Like Purple Rain makes the same amount of money per streams. That might be changing that, now. It, but It yeah. might be changing. But still, the concept is the ship has left, right? The horses are out of the stable. If someone wants your music, they can get it for free. Yeah. So what do you do in the face of that as a performer? You perform. You give them a spectacle. It's one of the reasons why theater is still a concept, even though we have movies. It's one of the reasons why professional wrestling is still a thing while we have video games. It's the reason why video games are still a thing, even though we have VR. It's because sometimes it's the spectacle that keeps you there. One of my philosophies is if you've paid $30 to come see a show when you could have spent that on medicine, <laughs> like just in general, yeah, just, yeah. Or, or just a food or a shirt or something you like, I'm going to make sure that you never regret that. And that means when I step on stage until I leave, you're going to get a performance. And performance is not just the music that's being performed. It's how it's being performed, how it looks, when it's being performed, what is happening on stage, it is all of that stuff. If I'm getting paid, let's say I'm being paid $1,000, right? I'd rather take home 300 and spend seven on the production of the stage because what does that mean? It means I'll get asked back and I made another 300 and I get asked back and I made another 300 and I get asked back. I made another 300. Yeah, did it take me four shows to make what I would have made if I just kind of showed up and just performed and kept all the money for myself? Yeah, probably. But guess what? I've had four shows. I've now been booked four times. Yeah. And each time the person from the last show is like, no, you got to see it for 20 bucks. It's a yeah. fool. And now I have two more fans than I did the last time. 
And by the fourth show, I have 17,000 people there as opposed to doing one show for, you know, 500 people. I make a thousand and none of those people want to come back because it was boring. Yes. Good music or not. And yeah, I'm in a high energy me uh, medium. Yeah. Sure. Know your, know your audience. I'm in a hip hop medium. I'm in pop. So there's a little bit more of pomp and circumstances that gets you to that level. But what I mean is that on stage, craft something that people can latch on to. What is the energy transfer? What is the mm -hmm. emotional transfer? Whether it's super high energy or super low energy, yeah. how can you make the mood more of that thing? Yes. Know what you're trying to convey. If you're a singer-songwriter and your bit is deep, contemplative music and that's like your vibe, how do you make your stage reflect that? Mm -hmm. If you're performing on another, the stage that's not yours, how can you like, okay, like, hey, don't use any of the overhead lights. I actually bought some lights to kind of just like, I'm going to be standing here. They point to me. I want to make everything else as muted as possible. Like, think about that. Yes. Not just, I'll just go up on there and do whatever because my thing is that I don't do anything. No. If your style is blank canvas, Make your background that. Sure. Don't give any distractions. Don't give anyone else an opportunity to tell other people who you are. Mm. And that includes how you're dressed. That's why I said I have a very big, like, no other band members merch, unless it's purposeful, at a show. A lot, I've seen a lot, of, and this is just a pet peeve of mine. Say that again? So, for example, if I'm, if you, I'm playing a show, you're not going to see an ACDC shirt on me. If I'm playing a show, you're not going to see Biggie Smalls on my shirt. You won't. I love those bands. I love those people. This is my show. I don't want you to think how much cooler another band is right now. <laughs> Even if you know that this is a cool band, if I wear it, it's a cool band trip, people know I'm cool. No, it's not time for that. It's nerdy right now. So I want you to think of nerdy. I don't want you to think of so-and-so. Now, unless it's purposeful, if they, like the theme of the show is people who stole music, so you're going to do Elvis. Like, whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're all dressed up as Elvis. Okay, yeah, now yeah. it's a bit. Got it. It's okay if it's a Because it's bit. serving the show. Because it's serving the show. But you should be confident in yourself. I'm big in a show day outfit. I don't walk in with what I'm going to perform on. I think that that's important. And that's something that I say to people, too. And I, there's definitely pushback. Now, it's somewhat genre-dependent. But... Not really. No, I'd honestly, I'd push back again and say it shouldn't have to be. I agree with you. I'm trying to make some exceptions because I'm sure that there's somebody that can say, well, look at so-and-so who does this and that. Yeah, but uh, broken clocks twice a day. I mean, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. And maybe I just, I don't, I don't know everything. Yeah. But like, I'm thinking like, if you just were working eight hours on your diet job in the outfit that you're walking on stage onto, don't. That's, see, that's how I feel. It's like, you should at least elevate or be intentional in some manner. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean you need to come into a full flare costume or something like that. No, you're not, no you one has to, to be Dolly Parton. But it should be intentional. Like when I go see a local show, there's a clear difference between the people that have really thought about it and put together something that feels intentional and feels bigger than average. But I think a lot of people hide behind this for a lot of the same reasons of the social media thing, the vulnerability, all of that mm -hmm. of just, I just want to blend in. Yeah. And that's the opposite of your job. Even if your thing is that you're muted and you're understated, you're still doing it on stage, on a microphone in front of a bunch of people. If you don't want people to notice you, then you're in the wrong profession. That's the job. Even Boney Bear is a Grammy award winning, has to do these things. They could not like it, but that's the bit. If you didn't want to be noticed, you wouldn't put your music out there for people to consume it. Strangers.
right? Stan Lee said, every comic is somebody's first comic. Every show is somebody's first show. It's like a first date. You don't dress up in dirty sweats and whatever to a first date. I'm not saying that you have to go put on a tux if that's not who you are. Yeah, exactly. But like, change your shirt. You were wearing that shirt all day. It's got your lunch stains <laughs> on it. Just change your shirt to another shirt that you would wear. But at least mentally, you've put on a new shirt. You put on a new pair of pants. You've thought about what you're wearing for these people. That's the main thing. Just think about it. Do you think this is the best representation of you and your look on stage? Yeah. Most people are just like, whatever, it's just me. And yeah. sometimes it works, I guess. But I just think that being intentional and mm -hmm. it's okay to show that you're trying. Yeah. I think a lot of people are just scared of that. Of like, I don't want to, I don't want people to think I'm taking this too seriously. Yeah. And it's like the idea of don't take yourself too seriously is more about like not becoming a dick. Not holding on to something so tight that you're going to have a tantrum if it doesn't yeah, work out. Yeah, yeah. Like that, it's not, it's not about just being like, this isn't important. Yeah. Like your, your music and your presentation is very important. It's just that, you know, if someone comes up to you and says like, Hey, that's an odd thing. You're not going to like hit them with an ice skate or something. <laughs> like, you know, it's just like, just calm down, but it should be important to you. Yeah. And depending on your genre, like as a hip hop artist, I buck a little bit of a convention because I didn't grow up with money or wanting a whole lot of things. I'm very, I don't want a lot. One of the things I say often is like, I have most of what I need. I'm not buying $300, $500 shoes. I'm not doing that. And, and I know a lot of people in my genre do. I just don't. I just don't. Even though I have the money to, I just don't. It's not the stuff I like, so I don't do it. Mm -hmm. But when I perform, I'm going to put on an outfit that I plan to wear for the performance. I got these overalls. I love them, and I will put them on for this. You know what I mean? That's the vibe. You got to do that. Well, thanks for going over all this branding stuff. I do think that your brand is extremely great, very strong. It's so easy to, to tell somebody about you without showing them your music. And that's mm. usually the meter of like, okay, strong enough. If you don't mm. need your music, then it's it's strong. It's the comic book cover. A lot of people buy their first comic based off of what it looks like on the front. Yeah. If you can get people into Spider-Man without telling them anything that happened to Peter, you're already there. And that's kind of the vibe. Yeah, definitely. I want to go over one more thing, which just because I think that it's worth people knowing this sort of discussion. You know, yeah. we go over your bio, got all these wins, all these successes, all this kind of stuff. And a lot of it's coming to you because there's this momentum. But obviously, you also had to put yourself out there. You had to submit yourself to the first radio competitions and that sort of mm -hmm. thing. How much work goes into chasing opportunities versus them just coming to you? Poof. That's the eternal balance of this. I get a lot of gigs, a lot of things because people have asked for me because they know what kind of show I put on. They know what kind of things. That was because for the first three years of my time, I was just anything and everything, giving 100, really pushing to show that my art is worth it. You're going to get a show and you're going to look around and be like, this is amazing. I have pushed myself for things that I really wanted. It requires vulnerability, which is, again, the name of the game, the foundation of all of this is like, I'm just going to ask the best way to do it is to talk to people. Yes. Like actually talk to people about what you do and what you want. My favorite game. I give this out for free all the time. I was literally talking backstage to a young artist about this on the last show I was at. I said, you, you know what you do? Be nice to everyone, especially the bartender 
and whoever's running security. That's the secret sauce. This is what you do. Go up to the bartender. Go up to security. You've spent all night being a cool, respectful, on-time performer. And then you go up to one of them and say, yo, this is such a great venue. I had such a great time. Thank you so much. Who do I talk to about trying to do this again or to be booked here on my own or whatever the situation may be? They will say, I don't do bookings, but so-and-so does. You say, thanks, person's name who I've just learned. I appreciate that very much. Then in your email, you say, hey, person I was told to talk to, this person who works with you told me that I should contact you about performing here. Now you have a recommendation from somebody who works at the place you want to go to, and now it's not, you're not just some person, you're someone a coworker has talked to, and they have nothing but nice things to say about you because you've spent the entire night being kind, respectful, and talented. Yes. And while you're at it, being nice to the bartender and the security, you can also be nice to every other band that's on the bill. Every single one. Regardless of what your music is, you can have the most filthy, disrespectful, raunchy things on stage. I'm not telling you what to say. I'm not telling you what your art should yeah. be. As soon as you walk off stage, however, thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. I, I loved this thing that you did in your set. Thought was really cool. Like, and mean it. Find, even if you didn't like most of it, find something that you did enjoy. You guys really are can locked in. I can tell that you guys like love doing this with each other. It's so cool. I hope to get that sort of energy when I perform. So much of this business is relationships and who you know. I've been a part of enough shows. I've watched enough shows where it's just like the bands don't know each other. They might be on this lineup somehow together and they just go off in their separate corners. And it's like, oh, be the person that goes and introduce yourself, make conversation, make friends with everybody. You never know who's going to pop off next. Never know. And a rising tide raises all ships. Yes. I say this all the time. I want everyone to succeed. I am not one of the people who believes that there's only room for one at the top. I will tell you that this music scene is incredibly talented. I say this all the time. Minneapolis, Minnesota, the Twin Cities, what we have, St. Paul, Minnesota, even the suburbs, shout out Rosemont. We have talented people coming out of here. And if one of us blows up, we all blow up. Because let's say the next, let's say the next Michael Jackson comes out of our community. Everybody and their grandmother is going to be, well, what makes this community bring this person up? And now suddenly everyone's looking and then they might find you. I love Terrence Trent Darby. Holding on to you. I'm not familiar. Oh, oh my God, that song is amazing. And he was out during the same time of Prince and Michael Jackson. They're all, it's the same, you know what I mean? More stay in the time in Prince. One person might be Prince and that's, it might not be you. But guess what? There is enough here that if that person goes up and says, this person's great, boom. Yeah. Now you found your fan base. Now you're going across the world. Yeah. And now suddenly you've made yeah. it. Yeah. By being friendly with everybody, you just expand the amount of connections you have, which means mm -hmm. you expand your knowledge base. These are people you can ask for advice if they end up getting somewhere that you haven't been yet. They're people that you can tour with. The amount of times that I've asked artists that have gone further than I've gone, what did you do? Who did you reach out to? Is it okay if I pick your brain on this? And because of the relationship, the authentic and serious relationship that we've formed together from just being kind and being respectful, 
they'd be like, yeah, sure. Here. Oh, there's our email. I'll actually tell them that you're going to email them. Yeah. It's huge. That can make or break a career. That could change your life. That can literally change your whole life. It's just one person. The first time I played for First Avenue, right? And I only mention them because they're like the people, the music people in our community right now. The first time I played for them as Nerdy, I had done a show with The Fine Line. They had just bought it. Mm. They had just bought The Fine Line. I'm opening for the artist buddy. I had, I'm still in the shut up and rap phase. I don't have a DJ. I have a laptop mic. Mm -hmm. I get told by the people throwing on the show, they're like, hey, Nerdy. We can't really let you into the green room. There's just too many people down there. And I know you're performing, but like, you know, like, hey, it's just what it is, right? Now, I could have made a stink about it. I really could have. Because half the people down there were just looky-loos. People that were the station wanted to have down there, and they wanted to be cool, and they wanted to hang out with the big celebrity that had come to do this show. And I was a performer. The green room is for me. But I literally was like, I thought about it, and I said, do I want to invest in the relationships I'm making now or do I want do I want to demand what I think I deserve? And I said, that's fine. I'm going to hang out here with the crowd. And I did. I spent the night talking to the bartenders and the security staff. And at the end of the night, after I thanked everybody for their job that they did, because again, the bartenders never get thanked by the artists half the time. The, the sound techs rarely get thanked by the artists half the time. And the security almost never get thanked by the artists at the end of the night. So I went through and I made sure I did that. Well, the security person said, hey, here's my card. Let so-and-so from First Avenue know. I'm going to let them know that I'm, you're reaching out to them. I will make sure you get booked at 7th Street because you're amazing. You did a great job. And so I was like, cool, thank you. If it wasn't for me taking the time to be consciously kind and build relationships, and I still see that security dude regularly and I dap him up every time because now I'm making a living off of this. That conversation led to my first show at 7th Street that got sold out, my second show at 7th Street that got sold out, my times at the main room I get asked to do, that's what that came from. It wasn't my talent, sure, because I, I came there ready to, to, rep, to rip it, and I did. All that, my work, sure, but it was that conversation, it was that relationship that got that foot in the door because, again, 75% of this is getting people on board. It's not the talent. It's your attitude. It's your attitude. I know of artists in the, in the cities that are better than me at most of what I do. They're better lyricists. They'll probably be better singers, better dance. I know they're better dancers, <laughs> <laughs> better dancers, but they will never make it because that's the hurdle that they can't get over is opening themselves up to be a person in front of other people. Oh man, that's so true. It's so true. And that's what will, and I know because it, it gets them frustrated here. How do you do it? You've only been around for five years. Like, yeah, but I cut my teeth for seven and I learned that I didn't want to be anything other than authentic and open and honest and vulnerable with this industry. Because at the end of the day, I feel that my talent is enough. So that's it. I think that's so, so true and so important for people to hear again and again and again, because just hearing it once is probably not enough. It's a hard thing to do. I think everyone struggles with it. I'm sure mm -hmm. you even still have to figure out how it keeps fitting back in that it doesn't yep, always come every easy every day i think that all oh, that's great i don't want to keep you here forever i, I really You're good i can talk <laughs> about this for the rest of my life i appreciate your time so much man to wrap this up though let's go into two things we've covered a lot of things that have gone really well and that you do really well mm. what's something you want to get better at yes my weaknesses uh no i 
my growth opportunities. As yeah, just something that you're working at. Like, what's what's one, next on the horizon for you? One of the things that I'm working on is more content where I am visibly present. I will say this. I feel more confident on stage than I do on camera. Mm. That's a big thing for me. It's just a little bit of body positivity, like things I'm working on. You know, just in general, I am a fat black kid from Rosemont, Minnesota. I was never the ideal. I was never the ideal. And I think that scar kept me from being in front of the camera a lot because I just was like, you know, I didn't want to be made fun of and I didn't want, I'm not the sexy artist guy that sometimes I think I have to be in order to do this well. And so I haven't been put myself in front of the camera a whole lot. I have some music videos yeah. out, but like I don't do it as much as some of my peers do, which is a huge part of it. Showing yourself, being there, taking the time. So that's one of the things I'm working on in the new year and as things go on. It's like, I'm going to be in front of the camera more. You're going to see more of me. Yeah. On mediums, in mediums, you'll see more you, of me. I mean, you, to be clear, you have been doing that to some extent. Yeah. You're just th saying to be that would be more of the norm. Yeah, it would be more. I, I, I just do it yeah. more. The stuff that I have done is like me like shaking and shivering on my way up there. So to think of it is like, oh, if this is what he's doing, know that he thinks he should be doing it even more. Because he's just like, ah. I don't want to do this, but I do because I know it's a part of the job. I'm just looking to continue to grow in that area. Yeah. Another thing that I think I want to work on as I continue in my role, I am very much driven by my passion, which is a good thing, but there is a bit of strategicness that I feel like sometimes you miss when you're driven by passion and I'm trying to be better at like planning things out ahead of time. Yeah. I'd be like, I wrote this album. I love it. Here you go. And then like, do you have music videos for this? Do you have flyers and all the other stuff? And I'm like, well, no, I just made it. And I was really excited. So I just shared it because I want you to hear it because I think it's good. And they're like, oh, it, it's good. It's fine. It's just that like, if you would have waited and prepped, you could have gotten like a whole thing because it's a business it, and yep. it's, a, it's, a, it's a science. If you post it on this day, at this time, you'll get this much audience and da 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 da, da. And taking a little bit of more time to get into the analytics yeah. of my brand yeah. and be like, now, like strategically doing it as opposed to just, here's a new thing and surprise, I have a new album out or a new song out and I gave you 24 hours to get ready for it. You know well, I mean? I'm excited for you to get to that stage because considering the success you've had without considering those variables, you're going to be excited. It'll be motivating. It's, I'm just, I'm, I, it's something I need to work on. I'm excited to like getting to that world more and learn more about it because I it, it it's the opposite of how my brain works. We've talked about a few of your what I call superpowers, one being your branding and your authenticity. But if you were to pass along what you think is your secret to the success you've seen so far, what tip would you leave people with? Honestly, cultivate the fans that you want for the rest of your life. That's the secret. Cultivate the fans that you want for the rest of your life because they're going to be with you if you do this right. People have been following the Grateful Dead for how long? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Cultivate the fans you want to see. Don't think that quantity is better than quality because it's not. Agreed. It's not. It just isn't because quality becomes quantity if quality is good. Like, that's just the real. Because there's enough people in the world. Yeah, there's enough people in the world to satisfy yeah. that. And I, I keep using Taylor Swift as an example, or even Beyonce as an example, but, like, look at Drake, even. Let's start with that. He got his fan base. He knows what he wants. People make fun of him for, like, the type of music he makes or the who he makes his music for, which is young people, which is, like, people who are, like, 
just turning 20. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's his that's his market. But he nails it every time for them. Like for them, for the group that he wants to make music for, he is nailing it. So don't chase after people that you don't want around. I am on the outskirts of nerdcore, which is a version of hip hop, nerdcore. This might be a little bit of a controversial statement for nerdcore people, but they were selling to a lot of the fans was this is hip hop for everybody who doesn't like gangster stuff, which quickly turned into this is hip hop for anybody who doesn't like black people. Ooh. Yeah. And now Nerdcore is like, why do we have so many Nazi fans? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, why do we have so many white supremacist fans? Like, why do we have so many fans that don't like diversity or aren't kind to women or people? And they're confused. Like the artists themselves, they didn't think about it because that's what that's not what they wanted. But they weren't thinking about it. They were just like, people finally like what I'm making. And I'll just take anybody in all these. Think about the fans you want. And cultivate the fans you want forever. Be honest and say stuff, especially if you're a man, especially if you're male identifying. It matters more and more. And we're seeing it. I tell my male like peers all the time, if you want women to feel safe at your shows, you have to say stuff like that and let people know that if they're fans of you, they have to be fans of treating people like this. You have to make it clear because you don't want that happening at your show and then all of a sudden, like, you are in a controversy. You have to make it clear, like, this is, it is uncomfortable for you to be here. When people say, I, I hate rap, but I love you, I go, like, I don't like that. Don't use that language around me. Because rap is a beautiful art form that has many different things. And if you are uncomfortable with, like, sexism or misogyny, and that's why you like yeah. me, that's great. That's great. But don't say you yeah, don't like maybe rap. Maybe be a little more specific. You Maybe be a little bit more specific. And being very serious about that, because then what do you do? You make it clear that if you're a so-and-so, if you're a Maple Leaf fan, go back to Maple Leaf person, if you're a Maple Leaf fan, you're going to recycle. And then you know now know that everybody in your fan base knows to do that. And now you have a group of people who are rocking with you that you can just fully invest in, and they'll fully invest in you. So make sure you take the time to build the fan base that you want for the rest of your life. It takes a little work, it takes a little vulnerability, but when you do that, those people will bring on more people, and those people will bring in more people, and those people bring in more people. Eventually, it'll get to the point where you're so big that it's hard to like really like fish out certain things, but like it'll be a lot less work. You won't be finding yourself 20 years down the road being like, oh my gosh, I'm playing this thing, place. I don't like any of these people, because that's why people then retreat into themselves. Yep. And then they lose themselves, which is like the worst thing that an artist can do. Yeah. Well, thank you for, so much for coming on today, for sharing your stories, your advice, your insight, yeah. man. It, it's really great. I'm excited for people to hear this. If people aren't already following you or aren't aware of you, where would they connect with you to, to catch a show and to learn yeah. more? Yeah. Please, if you like what you hear and you're into like this vibe <laughs> give it off into this yeah this 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 like the vogue i'm hitting the vogue okay nerdyrocks.com is my website n-u-r-d rocks like multiple dwayne johnson's it's really easy to find dot com also it's the same thing on all the social media nerdy rocks n-u-r-d rocks find me check it out i post where i'm gonna be what's happening next the next biggest thing is the i don't know when this comes out but in april this will come out before april oh sweet so before so in april 5th and 6th of 2024, I'm performing with the Minnesota Orchestra. We're doing two nights 
of my music, full orchestral, full symphonic orchestra pieces of my work. Um, I'm very, very excited. I'm very a little nervous, but it is the uh, 100% done, totally amazing, completely finished, super dope show. <laughs> and, um, and I mean that. So <laughs> come through and check it out. It'll be really cool. But again, Nerdy Rocks everywhere. Come find me. Let's hang out. Awesome. Definitely check them out. I'm going to have all those, show no- all those links in the show notes, as well Woo. as the free branding guide, if that helps you. Let me know. If you like the episode, please send me a message. You can email me or hit us up DM on a on at Secrets from the Scene. Draw a picture so we, we can put it on the page. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I want to know if this helps, and if so, what else you want to learn more about. Until next time, thanks for listening. Oh,